0: We're uh, in our year of give, and uh, we're finishing up. Next week, we're going to start a new series on the Ten Commandments, okay? You're sitting here today, and you go, okay, the Ten Commandments. I like seven or eight of them, but there's a couple. You know, I just... Are all pertinent today? Do we keep all ten? Do we do we pick and choose the ones we don't? Well, we're going to answer all those questions. And you may sit here today, and you may think, I, you know I've got I've got nine or ten of them down, or eight or nine maybe. I got news for you. The, uh, the Ten Commandments are a lot broader than we think, and we mess up on them regularly. But we're going to be um, challenged by that this coming, this coming tw- ten weeks coming up. When I was a kid, I lived in Germany. My dad was in the army. Uh, we. Uh, for entertainment, we would listen to what was called Armed Forces Radio. And I know this is kind of strange for you. We would actually listen to the radio, and there were stories on the radio. Okay, There, wasn't, uh, we, there, was, there was TV, but most of the TV was in German, so didn't understand it anyway. But uh, I learned as a, as a kid the power of your imagination. I have always loved Westerns, and I think it goes back to these early years of mine. And I'm talking about 7, 8, 9, 10... But one of my favorite shows on the radio was a show called Gunsmoke. It was a Western, and it was about a sheriff named Matt Dillon. He had a deputy named Festus. Doc and Kitty were two of his friends. But I had in my mind an idea of what Matt Dillon looked like. Matt Dillon was tall. I mean, he was six foot four, six foot five. Big, broad shoulders, dark hair, dark complexion, rugged, chiseled looks. And nobody messed with Matt Dillon because he was the sheriff. He could handle anything. Well, then at 10, we moved back to the States. And it was so cool because Gunsmoke was on TV. And the first night we got back, I remember, let's watch Gunsmoke. We turned on and there was this man there. His name was James Arness. He was the actor who was playing Matt Dillon. But it wasn't Matt Dillon. Because James Arness has brown hair. He looks a little old. He certainly didn't have rugged, chiseled looks and broad shoulders. But what I realized that the world I created in my mind listening to the radio was much more glorious than reality. Well. Today we're going to read about heaven. I don't care what picture you draw. I don't care what movie there is about heaven. Your imagination can do a better job. But even that, even that, your imagination pales in comparison to the reality of it. Okay? So I want you to keep that in mind. Now we're going to read Scripture. We're actually going to be in in chapter 21. And I'm going to read the whole chapter of 21. All right? And then the first five verses of 22. And that's what I'm actually going to preach on those first five verses. But I want us to get some understanding of what heaven is like. Alright? So if you would, please stand if you're able for the reading of God's Word. This is Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. No more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, "Behold, I am making all things new." Also he said, "Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." And he said to me, "It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give them. I will give." from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his, this heritage, and I will be uh, his God and they, he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then came one of the seven angels The city lies four square, its length as the same as its width, and he uh, measured the city with its rod 12,000 stadia. Now let me stop here. 12,000 stadia. What distance is that? Well, it's roughly 1380 miles. That's the distance from Charleston, South Carolina to Amarillo, Texas or to Fargo, North Carolina. If you've ever made that drive, it's a couple days. That's how big the New Jerusalem is. I want you to get a perspective of that as we talk about this. So, He measured the city with its rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its walls, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold, clear as glass. The foundations of the city of uh, the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of the Lord gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on, its, also on either side of the river, Forever and ever. Please pray with me. Gracious Father, we need Your Spirit to come. We pray now that You would send it. Open our minds, open our hearts. Change us now in this moment, moment through the preaching of Your Word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I did want to show you one picture. If you take a look at this, this is a picture of the New Jerusalem, and you, and you can just see, it, it just, it, it loses something, right? It just, we read that glorious thing, and your mind was just going crazy, and then you're like, what? It doesn't do it justice. And I think that's what we need to understand, that God knows, He created us as creative beings. He knows what we can imagine is good, it's better than anything that we can make, but in reality, what we will experience is so much beyond even what we can imagine. And you need to keep that in mind. So in the eternal state, Jesus restores His children to their original world, their original design and to intimacy. We're going to basically have three points today, and then I'm going to go through three questions. We're going to be moving quickly, but I want you to uh, if you want to take notes, it's in your bullets in there. But let's go through these three points. First of all, I want you to see that, first of all, Jesus restores our world, OK? In chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, and then on either side of the river was the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit. In the eternal state, and I, I use that term specifically, I'm not saying heaven or earth, because in the eternal state, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, comes down to earth, and it is restored, and that's where we live, Right? We don't go off and float on a cloud and play a harp, right? We're living in the new Jerusalem, which is here. Everything is restored. So in the eternal state, the faithful will live at the source of life-giving water that proceeds from the very presence of God. We will eat of the tree of life. Now you have to remember, back in the garden, when um, I was going to say Moses, and I knew that one right, When Adam sinned, he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And when God banished him from the garden, he said, We need, uh, God's talking, the Trinity is talking. He said, We need to get Adam out of the garden, lest he eat of the tree of life, right? Well, what happens now? We're drinking of living water and we're eating from the tree of life. Adam was cast out of Eden so he would not eat of this tree. Now we, along with Adam, enjoy not only its abundance, but also its variety. Did you pick that up? God's provision here is always new and always more than adequate. It says the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit. One tree, twelve kinds of fruit. I don't understand that. But it's not going to be the same thing day after day, right? We have variety. Yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. These healing leaves indicate uh, the complete absence of physical want and spiritual want. The life to come will be a life of abundance. It'll be a life of perfection. A life of completion. All those things that, you know, drive you crazy today. All the decisions you have to make. God's going to restore all that. So God restores us by bringing us back to the garden which He has made new, where we can eat from the tree of life and drink from the river of the water of life for eternity. You may look at this and say, so what? So we'll have our needs met. Or we won't have any wants. So what? Well, that's a good question. So I want you to uh, take a moment right now. I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to ask yourself this question. What, what, do you hope the eternal state is like? Just personally, what's your dream? Take a moment, talk to the person next to you. What do you hope the eternal state is like? You know, some of you wonder if someone's going to be there. Is your dog going to be there? Will they have ice cream, pizza? I don't know. But... The thing you have to see here first of all is that Jesus restores our world. He takes us back to the garden. It's all made new. Just like man was banished from the garden, now we're brought back in, but it's a restored garden. But Jesus doesn't just restore our world, he also restores our design. Verse 3 says, "No longer will there be anything accursed." And we can cross, you know, we we can jump over that. But you need to understand, this is a huge, huge deal. The word cursed here is the Hebrew word harem. Okay? And it it typically refers to a people who are put under a ban for complete destruction. A group of people did something wrong, so they were put under this ban. don't come in contact with those people because they're going to all be destroyed. That's you and I. When we sinned, we were brought, we were made harem. We were brought under this ban for complete destruction because of our sin. But Jesus brought us back from that, right? But here it says there will be no longer anything that's accursed, So the curse of Eden is removed. Now let's think back a second to the garden. Why was was man created in the garden? What's man's purpose for being in the garden? Westminster Shorter Catechism kind of helps us here. It has this question. It's the first question. It's the question, one of the questions we teach our children. Uh, maybe you've never heard this question, but just bear with me. The question is, what is the chief end of man? What is the, the chief purpose of man? Why does man exist? All right? We all want to know why we exist. Well, here's the answer. Man's chief end, man's purpose, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. All right? Very simple answer. Now, we can start to do that to some degree now. But see, we're still cursed by sin. There will come a day when that curse is removed and we can glorify God and enjoy Him forever with an openness unlike any other that we've experienced. God designed human beings to see Him, to know Him, and to live in His loving presence. God designed all of creation, including man, to display His glory through worship. Genesis 1.26, this is God talking, after He made the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the animals, the plants, it says this, God said, let us, so it's the, the Trinity talking here, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So the Trinity exists here in eternal fellowship, Right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living forever together in eternal fellowship. And yet, He says, let us make man like us in our image. He wants, God wants to create us to enjoy eternal fellowship. Not just with Him, but as we glorify God. Then on in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. You guys have heard this before. That's what, that was Adam's role. Now the word translated work here can also be translated cultivate or serve or worship. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to worship. The word is actually the same word used elsewhere, place, uh, other places in Scripture talking about the Le- Levitical priest serving, right? Serving. In the temple. How did they serve in the temple? Well, part of it was worship. So in a sense, you got to watch this now. Don't miss this. Adam's caring for the garden had a higher purpose than just being the groundskeeper. Sometimes we think that. What did he do? Rake up the leaves? No, he had a much bigger purpose than that in his original design. God placed Adam in the garden to cultivate it and keep it. This, meant, uh, this was meant to be an act of worshipful obedience in which he served and brought to flourishing this natural sanctuary in which God placed him. Simply put, God took Adam and put him in the garden to worship and obey. His life was rightly ordered to God in worshipful obedience. So now, we come to the eternal state, and God's going to restore us to what? Worshipful obedience. The curse is removed. Now, we can come here today and say, I'm here to worship God, but we're so distracted. We get frustrated. Maybe someone looked at us funny on the way in and we go, oh, that person hates me and I don't know why they hate me. And you got all these thoughts going through your mind. Why? Because of the curse. We're fallen people. We judge other people. We're vindictive. But God takes all that away so that we can live in worshipful obedience to Him. Pastor Noel Dew says it this way, The whole of Eden was built for worship. Adam was created to be the great leader of the creation and its glorification of God with Eden as the garden sanctuary of his communion with the Creator. So the purpose of his existence was to glorify God. You could say that gardening was what he was told to do, but worship is what he was created to do. So we return to this in the New Jerusalem. So, if we as human beings are created to be missional worshipers, we will experience our highest blessing when we do the task that God created us to do, right? Because that's our purpose. We will be most fully the very thing God created us to be. So, what? The curse is removed, sins corrected. What's the big deal? Now, think about that for a second. Think about today you got up, and I don't know if you got up at 8 o'clock, got dressed, got the kids ready, had a little conversation with your wife, your husband. You got here to worship 10, 15, 10, 30. But think about all the thoughts you had, all the negative things. I can't believe the way that person drives. What an idiot. Oh, I don't know. What a, why do I always have to get the kids ready? Why doesn't he help sometimes? Why can't you just behave? Do what Mama says. We're so frustrated. We're distracted by our attitudes, our thoughts, our desires, our words. All that goes back to the curse. And that's just what happened between 8 and 10.30 today. Right? And you know what? Don't get me wrong. That happens to all of us. Don't think you're the only one. (laughs) We're all living in that world. We're We're so wrapped up in the curse. We sin so often, we don't even realize it sometimes. We need to have that curse removed so that we'll be open, be missional worshipers before God. So God restores our world. He restores our design. But He also restores restores our intimacy. Verses 4 and 5, it says, They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Think about it. There is great power in naming something. When we give a name to our child, we're saying, this kid is mine. This kid has a resemblance of me. I take possession over this child. This child's important to me. God's name is going to be on our foreheads. And I know some of you ladies are going, oh, I don't know if I like that. Am I going to look? No, don't worry. You're going to be looking fine, okay? But the big thing I want you to see here is we will see Him face to face. Do you remember the story in Exodus 33? Moses has been leading the children of Israel. And there's this one time where, you know, Moses had a different relationship with God. They said He talked to him face to face. But even as He talked to him face to face, there was this veil between them to some degree. Because we see this in 33, Moses said, God, can You show me Your glory? I just want to see what it's like. Show me your glory. And God says this, I will make My goodness pass before you and proclaim before you My name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But He said, you cannot see My face, for man shall not see Me and live. Basically, God was saying, listen, if I show you everything you want to see, if I show you my full glory, you couldn't stand it because you're a sinful man. Christ has not come yet. But then what what God does, He blesses Moses and He says this, but here's what I'm going to do. You look over there. You see that little crack in the rock? That's big enough for you to get into. I want you to slide your body in there and hide way back in the crevice of the rock. And I'm going to pass by. And God says, as I pass by, I'm going to put my hand over you you imagine that? You're hiding in the rock and God's big hand comes and covers you. And he says, as I walk by, I'm going to slowly take my hand away and you can look at my backside and get a glimpse of my glory, but you can't see all my glory. Well, guess what? In the eternal state, it's not going to be like that. In fact, there's not going to be any night because God's glory is going to light it all. We'll be able to talk to a guy eyeball to eyeball, face to face. A total openness. 1 John 3, 2 says this, Behold, we are God's children now, and what we will be like has not yet appeared. In other words, we don't fully understand what it's going to be like. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And that's all going to happen like that. God's going to change us. So when Christ's followers finally behold the beautiful glory of God, they're going to see Him face to face. We will find our highest joy and our deepest love. This new Jerusalem that comes down, it's going to be a place of infinite pleasure in face to face relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because God, because He is the One, because Christ is the One who deserves our perfect love and devotion, we're going to find our greatest joy in loving Him. And that love is going to rebound and echo and reverberate throughout eternity, forever. Through us, loving Him more and more and more. We're going to start to live like the image barriers, the 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 missional worshipers He created us to be. This new city, this new country, the new Jerusalem, the new earth will be in existence like no other. It's going to be overwhelming. We can't imagine what it will be like. Now I want to take a few minutes, just as, as we close here, and answer three questions for you. And I, This is the first time I've ever preached on, on heaven. It really is. I, I it's, it's funny, uh, just... I've never done that for some reason. But uh, one thing that's helped me, here's a book I want to encourage you to write. It's called Chasing Infinity by Mark Lederbach. It really helped me to understand some things and broaden my understanding of, of what heaven will be like. But I, I want to help you. Here's some of the three, three questions that we all ask. Uh, and let's go through these pretty quickly. What exactly will we look like? We all wonder about that, right? Well, let me tell you, first of all, I'm not exactly sure. I really don't know but I can give you some glimpses of what Scripture says. First of all, we're going to have a glorified body. And some of you right now are thinking, thank God, right? Philippians 3.21 says, The Lord Jesus will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. Now you can think about how was Christ's glorious body. Well, he, he was a spirit. He could come and go through walls and stuff like that. So it's going to be different. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Our body is going to be raised up imperishable, right? will never die. It's going to be raised in glory and in power. What powers will we have? I don't know. But we're going to be raised in power. We're going to have a perfected soul. Jude 24 says, We will stand in His glorious presence without fault and in great joy. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to stand before God with no one, nobody has any, any cause at all to say there's anything wrong in you. You're totally accepted everything's right we're gonna have new eyes first Corinthians 13 says for now we see in a mirror dimly but then we're gonna see face-to-face face. this reminds me of when you come out of the shower and the mirror is glossed over and you take a towel and you wipe it off but it's still just not right right that's kind of how we see now but someday it's going to be crystal clear now we know in part then we shall fully know some of you have got deep questions How can God be everywhere at the same time? Guess what? That's all going to be answered. Why did God let my grandma die so young? That's all going to be answered. It's all going to be fulfilled. The other thing is we're going to be finally vindicated. Philippians 2 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everything will be put right. Now think about that for a second. Everything will be put right. All the people that have done good will be rewarded for what they've done. All the people who have done bad will be rewarded for what they have done. Everything will be put right. That's good news. We have a sense of fairness and rightness. Well, God is going to create everything fair and right, and guess what? Everyone will bow before Christ. Because that's... That's right. That's the way things should be. C.S. Lewis put it this way. In the end, the face of God, which is the delight or the terror of the universe, must be turned upon each of us, either with one expression or the other, either conferring glory inexpressible or inflicting shame that can never be cured or disguised. But God was going to put everything right. Second question, what's going to be our new home? What's it going to be like? Well, one thing we don't think about is creation is renewed. This one always gets me. Romans 8 says creation itself is going to be set free from its bondage. Now, when you you think about God's glory, the first place we usually go is nature, right? Did you see that sunset? Or did you see that, that, that wonderful flower? Or whatever it is, we look at those things, we say God is so... Awesome, look at he created this it 's beautiful. We got to go into a, a cave tour uh, when we were in Chattanooga, down through this cave, and it was just there were some things in there you're like oh, i can 't believe there's beautiful things like this under the earth, right? But it shows a glimpse of God 's glory, but you realize now that creation is limited it 's under bondage due to the sin uh, uh, the curse of, the, of sin. so in other words, there 's going to come a time when even nature can display the full glory of God because it's no longer under the curse. And our new home is going to show that. No more imperfection or decay in creation. Another thing about our new home, we're going to live in God's presence in the new Jerusalem. We kind of already talked about that. The world will be brought into harmony with God's original purpose. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, perfectly restored. And the final and most important question is this. What are we going to do for eternity? Because I hear people say, well, we're going to worship the whole time. And some of you are like, I hate standing for so long. Really? Are there going to be chairs? Can we just sit down every once in a while? Jim, you're going to have a restored body. You won't have to sit, see? But you know what? It's not going to be like that. I mean, there's going to be times when we stand and sing. But worship is more than just standing and singing. Let me give you four categories of things that are going to occupy uh, us as our sources of joy. The first one we've already talked about. We're going to be restored face to face with God. We uh, We will live with Him, loving Him, because He fills us with joy. This is going to be the height or the zenith of our existence when we finally uh, reach that, that perfect happiness, we will always be in direct contact with God, always in His presence. A second source of joy, though, is Jesus will continue to minister to us. Revelation seven seventeen says, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So we will grow in our relationship with Jesus as He continually ministers to us and guides us to springs of living water. You know, it guides us to springs of living water. It's not like going, oh, the spring's over here. Okay, there it is. I got it. No, he's going to constantly say, have you tasted this spring? Oh, you like that one? Well, hey, what about this one over here? Mmm, this one. Oh, yeah. And he's going to constantly guide us to new springs of living water. This is one of my favorite. We're going to enjoy spending time with one another. I'm a people person, right? But in addition to spending time with the three persons of the Trinity, we're going to spend time with the angels. We're going to spend time with all sinners who have been saved by faith, who have died before us throughout history. We'll have reunions with loved ones. We'll make new friendships with people from every t- tribe. Every tongue and every nation. Now think about that. We have brothers and sisters now living around the world that we have a hard time talking to simply because of the language barrier, but that's going to all be removed. And they're going to tell us stories about their relationship with Jesus. And we're going to tell stories about ours. We will see beautiful reflections of the living God through their faces as they see God and grow more and more in love with Christ too. Who do you want to talk to? Who's on your list? You haven't made a list yet? need to make a list. Who's on your list to talk to? Whose stories about Jesus do you want to hear? I want to talk to Leonardo da Vinci. Because God imparted to him just some brilliant things. I want to talk to that man, but I want to hear not about this, Mitch. i want to say, tell me, how did you come up with this? Tell me about Jesus. What, what, what's your relationship with Jesus like? Maybe you want to talk to Augustine, Martin Luther King. I want to talk to my grandpa. I have a grandpa that died before I was ever born. I don't know anything about Edward Fleck, but I want to talk to Edward Fleck. Fourthly, we'll also find joy in the continued growth, maturity, learning, and enrichment of our abilities. The enlargement of powers that God has in store for us. We'll discover new things about God with our glorified eyes and have eternal joy sharing these discoveries with each other as we help one another to see these things new. You may say, John, so what? I mean, that's something that's going to happen way down the road, so what? well let me help you with that who knows who this guy is you don't know who this guy is this guy's larry bird he's from indiana he's a basketball player that's about all he and i have in common because he's a much better basketball player than i ever will be i heard an interview with him one time he earned lots of championships got had a lot of records was just known to be one of the most ruthless basketball players because he would do one of these things, uh, they would have a break into the, into the game, you know, 10 seconds left on the clock, and he'd come out to the guy and he goes, to the guy that's guarding him, he'd say, here's what we're going to do, we're going to run a, a pick and roll, and I'm going to come over to this spot right here and do a, a fade, and uh, we're going to win the great game right here on the jump shot that I'm going to shoot. And then he'd go out and he'd do that. He would do what he just told the guy. He was, I'm impressed by that, you're not, Okay. But here's the thing, I hired an interview with him, and he said during the summer, every day, he would shoot 700 jump shots. Now, that means shooting a shot, going and getting the ball, coming back, shooting up, 700. But then he started thinking about a guy named Magic Johnson. Now, Magic Johnson played for the Lakers. These two were kind of nemesis. They, they constantly ended up in the championship fighting against each other. He would think, but you know, I'm out here shooting 700 jump shots every day during the summer, but I bet Magic's shooting eight, so I better shoot another 100 more. Now, here's the point. He would go to that effort for what? To win a basketball game. Now, I love sports, but that's a basketball game. That has nothing to do with eternity. If a man, if a man here on earth can take that much effort and put that much effort into a basketball game, why can't we start practicing today for eternity? Now here's how we do that. We don't do that by just standing and singing songs. There will be that. With the youth, we call these things I'm getting ready to tell you about God sightings where we see God at work in our lives. You need to share with the people around you every day, two to three times a day, how you saw God at work today. Imagine what it will be like to sit down at a banquet with our friends for tens of thousands of years and share stories about the new things you discovered about God's wonders as you explored His renewed creation. Imagine the smiles and laughters we will experience over and over and over again, telling one another of God's goodness, Jesus' glory, and the Holy Spirit's power. I was talking to Jenny about this earlier, I, and I said, I, Jenny, I could just see us sitting there at a the banquet and going, Guess what Jesus did for me today? He took me out to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. And then He showed me how He spoke another galaxy into being. It was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And she goes, oh, oh, wait, wait. Guess what Jesus did for me? And she shares something. And we talk over and over and, and just give glory to God, the Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, about how awesome they are. So from the beginning, God placed us in the garden so that we could cultivate and care for it. He told us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But we messed that up. But each of these aspects was supposed to be an aspect of worship. And when we're finally redeemed, we're going to be brought back to this eternal state. He sets us free from sin and sets us free to Christ. Did you get that? Sets us free from sin and sets us free to Christ to be what we were originally intended to be. We will forever be on mission to bring eternal glory, praise, and honor to God. To place it at Jesus' feet so that the glory of God will echo in this new creation. God's glory will be, uh, Christ's glory will beautify it. The Holy Spirit will cause it to flourish forever and ever and ever. You can't imagine it. Your imagination is too limited. It's going to be something that you've never seen. It's going to be glorious. Let's pray. In the morning when I rise, in the morning when I rise, In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And when I come to die, When I come to die Oh, when I come to die Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this world You can have all this world You can have all this world, but give me Jesus.